Welcome to Living Radiant. I'm your host, Kelsey Fagan, and y'all, we're on video. Finally, I've been wanting to do this for so long. If you are on YouTube or Spotify, you can watch on video. And this is very exciting to me because I, we all know, I've wanted to do this for a while. So, very exciting stuff in my world. Also, do we like the new sofa? If you are watching this on video, but even if you aren't, I'm gonna tell you about it because I'm just very excited. So we all know, the sofa saga that has happened over the past couple months, if you've been a listener. First sofa I got, stolen. Uh, and then after that, I just struggled to find one that I liked. I procrastinated a lot. And now I have this wonderful, pretty, cream-colored sofa. It's like super deep. It's kind of like a corduroy-ish material. That's like a cream beige. And it has two layers of pillows. And then if I remove, one of the layers, right? You can tell how deep it is. If I sit all the way back on this and like sit with my legs out like this, the sofa doesn't end until like my calves, almost to my ankles. And I'm 5'7". I'm not a short girl. So very exciting, super snuggly sofa. That was such a priority to me. So I'm very, very excited about that. And besides that, I honestly don't have a ton of life updates right now, which I am so fine with because I could use a season of stillness, if you will, <laughs> a little bit of calmness right now. But my, my life right now is pretty much just doing pageant stuff. I am looking for sponsors. If anyone happens to be listening to this who's interested in sponsoring in some capacity, I am looking for people who may be good matches to partner with if you have a business. So let me know. It did get sunny in Kansas City. It's finally, we're out of the negative temperatures and there is some sun outside. I actually had to like close my blinds over here because it was so bright. It was making weird shadows on the video. And that is such a wonderful problem to have. I've missed the sunshine so much. The Florida girl in me has needed it dearly so that's very exciting definitely puts me in like a good little mood you know today's topic our first topic on video i wanted to do something that i was really excited about and this is a topic that is near and dear to my heart our boy epictetus okay and stoicism in general the philosophy of stoicism and before you're like, Kelsey, this is so boring and so stupid, no thank you. Before you say that, just like give me, give me a second, hear me out. I think philosophy is kind of tainted for a lot of us because we were forced to read about it and study it in school. Not all of us, but probably a lot of us were. I know I was when I was in school. At University of Florida, they have a whole class called What is the Good Life where you just read philosophers and it's a class nobody wants to take and... It's actually a pretty good class once you get through it, but I think that forcing of us to really study philosophy when we don't necessarily want to makes us not really like it, but don't, don't let that make you hate it. It's got so much good stuff to offer. There are so many goodies in there, and I think a lot of the, I'll say like under 40 crowd, um, doesn't care that much about a lot of philosophy. Like, I have very few friends who are into philosophy. I don't think I have a lot of friends who, like, shun it. But they're just not into it. You know, like, they're not picking up a philosophy book to casually read. But I think we should. And when I was first getting on my 
self-growth journey and really trying to figure out ways that I could live a life I truly enjoyed and felt good in. A big piece of this for me was discovering Stoicism and in particular the philosopher, the Stoic philosopher that I personally resonate with the most is Epictetus because there are really three main Stoic philosophers. You have Seneca who came first and then Epictetus and then Marcus Aurelius came after Epictetus and a lot of people if they're familiar with any of them I feel like it's typically Marcus Aurelius because he's kind of the most current I think a lot of his stuff is probably the most well documented and I do really like Marcus Aurelius but Marcus Aurelius actually learned from Epictetus Marcus Aurelius's teacher was a student of Epictetus so it's kind of it's kind of full circle and they all teach very similar things but just the life story of Epictetus I think is so inspiring and like just very dramatic and in, in a way that got my attention so I really wanted to go through and explain who Epictetus is what he teaches and why I think it is applicable to our daily lives now like how it is applicable to modern day life because Epictetus was born in 55 AD, okay? It was a hot minute ago. But there really is so much that is so valuable to learn still. So because what makes Epictetus resonate so much with me is sort of his life story, I wanted to give a brief, it'll be brief, I promise, overview of his life story and explain sort of how that led into his teachings and all of that good stuff and then go through his teachings and how I use them in my life and some scenarios that I think they're useful in in our daily lives. So brief history of Epictetus, and I promise it'll be brief just to give you the background. So he was born in what is now Turkey um, back in 55 AD, and he was born into slavery and like a particularly harsh form of slavery. He had an abusive master um, under Emperor Nero, and he actually, came to Rome from his birthplace as a slave. And his master was actually known to be so harsh and abusive toward him that on one occasion in particular, he broke his leg. And this is a big part of Epictetus's story because it's documented that when this happened, so apparently he was twisting his, this is so gross, I'm so sorry, but apparently his master was twisting his leg and he kept twisting it and Epictetus told him if you continue to do that, it will break. And apparently Epictetus was very calm throughout this. He wasn't screaming, not complaining, nothing that like a normal person would do, right? Apparently he was very calm and he just said, if you, if you keep doing that, it's going to break. And it broke. And instead of doing the whole screaming, crying, he didn't do that. And instead he told him, I told you it would break. That's wild to me. Man's had his whole leg broken and was just like, told, they told you it would break. Wild. But that's a big part of his story because he was then disabled for the rest of his life. He struggled to walk for the rest of his life. And you can imagine that as a slave, that would make life so much more difficult than it already was. So much more unpleasant than it already was. His master did recognize his intellectual potential though, and he allowed him to study under Stoic Musonius Rufus. 
And this is where Epictetus really developed a lot of his ideas and began down that stoic journey. Eventually, once Emperor Nero died, Epictetus was freed and practiced philosophy in Rome for the next 25 or so years. He then ended up fleeing to Greece when philosophers were completely banned in Rome, actually all of Italy, not even just Rome, because they were thought of as threats to the institution. So once philosophers were banned, he fled to Greece and he opened his own school. And at the school is where he encountered his student Arian, and Arian is actually the one who wrote Discourses, which is the book that contains all of Epictetus's teachings and a lot of the things we now know about him. So there are a few big pillars of Discourses. One of the primary teachings of Epictetus is to be proactive. Don't blame other people for your feelings and your mental state. A quote from Epictetus says, when we're frustrated, angry, or unhappy, never hold anyone but ourselves, that is our judgments, accountable. Because when you shift the focus to someone else, you can't control that. You can't control what that other person is doing. You can control how you're reacting. You can control how you're perceiving it. You can't control them. You can't control that circumstance. And he goes on to teach that the unnecessary anger, those strong, angry feelings, that actually renders us unable to deal with the crisis at hand. And instead of allowing ourselves to get incredibly angry about something that we can't control, we should be proactive and take accountability, responsibility for our own minds. And think about it, like think of some times that you have just been really, really angry. You can't act in that situation. Like you can't, you can't think anything of value. It is so like primitive. And this isn't to say that you can never get angry, of course, but it's essentially saying like, control those emotions because you can control yourself and make yourself have a more positive experience, but you can't control these other things going on around you. So something I really like to think of here is like if your flight gets delayed, right? And so you're sitting at the airport, connecting flight, maybe you're stuck in a random city and they come over the speaker and it's like, oh, flight 218, to Atlanta is delayed by six hours and you're sitting there thinking to yourself like oh my god I like I can't wait six hours I have to get there I have an appointment I have to get to I have an event that I'm going to you're sitting there thinking all of these things there are a few reactions that we can have in these scenarios you can either be the person who like blows up in the middle of the airport, you just get so mad, you're screaming at the person at the desk who's just the messenger, frankly, saying, no, you can't do this, this is unacceptable, I have somewhere to be, this is not an option. Or you can be the person who sits there and says to yourself, well, this, this is not ideal. And then you think of solutions. You don't allow yourself to get to that level of anger because it's not going to do anything. It's not going to change anything. You can scream at that person all that you want. The flight is still delayed. They can only get that plane here so quickly. And screaming at the person at the desk, all that's going to do is upset you, upset the person at the desk, and upset the other people around you. So it's probably a much better solution 
to maybe start looking up other flights on your phone. See if there's something you can get on last minute. See if you can afford that. See if there's a different transportation option. Can you rent a car and drive? How far is that? Or maybe just truly none of those are options and now you just have to figure out how to say, hey, I'm so sorry that I missed this thing. A big root of this is focusing on what is in your control. So Epictetus teaches that there are essentially two different paths, right? One of these is internal and one is external. So when you're thinking about your life and different situations you encounter, you can separate things into either the internal or the external category. External things happen to us. It is other circumstances that we can't control, like a flight getting delayed or the weather, or maybe someone doesn't treat us well anything of that nature that those are all external we cannot control those things as badly as we might want to that's not us it's not in our control internal is what is in our control so it's how we react it's how we think it's taking responsibility for our reactions and our interpretations our judgments what's going on in our heads so what epictetus says is to stop trying to control those external things. You have to let go of that desire to control all of those external things that you are never going to be able to control because you're wasting your time, you're wasting your energy, and you are rendering yourself unable to act in that situation and actually do something useful for yourself. A really popular theory lately has been from Mel Robbins, the let them theory, which is essentially saying, hey, this person's gonna do what they're gonna do, let them, let them. You can change how you react, you can change how you feel about it, but let them, because you can't control them, you can't control that other person. So maybe, maybe it's a friendship situation, right? And this friend is treating you really poorly. Let them. You can't control how they're treating you. What you can control is you can have a conversation, you can say, I don't like this, I don't appreciate this. You can decide to set a boundary there. Maybe this isn't someone you're going to be friends with anymore. But at the end of the day, you cannot change their behavior. And it is so, so much better for your mental peace and clarity to understand that you can't, you can't change it. That you cannot do that. So Epictetus gives three main areas of discipline. So area number one is discipline of desire. So this is controlling the things that you desire, simply put. And he says, anxiety happens when we want something that is not in our control, when we are desiring something that is the external. Let me put this into terms that I think pretty much everyone can resonate with. Okay, let's all think back to a time when we have been romantically interested in someone who is not romantically interested in us, right? So this would be a discipline of desire situation because you're thinking to yourself like, I want this person to want me so badly. I need it. A lot of times it can like physically pain us. We get so much anxiety about the situation, about needing that person to like us back, to desire us back but they just don't. And this is why we get this anxiety is because we can't control that. We can't control them. We can only control ourselves, how we act and how we respond. 
So the discipline of desire here would come into play by then shifting your mindset to say, okay, what do I truly want? Maybe right now I'm thinking, I really want this person to want me, but actually at the core of this is I want a really great compatible partner. That's what you have to shift that desire to, is you want to find someone who wants you, someone who is really compatible, someone who is going to be a wonderful life partner for you. And that is the more healthy desire to have and desire within yourself to feel at peace in a relationship, to feel happy and joyful and excited in a relationship. And when you have that desire to feel that way, you don't want this person who doesn't want you anymore. And that doesn't mean we wish them ill will, but we don't have that romantic desire for them anymore. Because what we desire is within ourselves to feel a certain way, and this situation is not causing us to feel that certain way. The next discipline that Epictetus talks about is the discipline of action. So this is disciplining our actions in accordance with our role in life. So we are selecting essentially who we want to be in life and acting as that person. I don't know if that sounds overly complicated or overly simple, but <laughs> you can choose. Essentially what this is, is like acting in accordance with who you are. So if you are a mother, being kind, being gentle, being understanding, being courageous, all of these things, acting in accordance with your role in life, acting in accordance with the person you want to be. So we discipline our actions to fit that role. And I don't think a lot of us want to be in a role that is angry person who can't control themselves in a public place, like the person screaming at the desk agent. I don't think that fits any of the roles that we have for ourselves. If it fits yours, like, okay, go, go off, King. Interesting, interesting. But um, it doesn't fit mine, and I, I would, I, I think I can confidently say I don't think it fits most of the people who, who listen to this podcast. So like, let's say I'm working. I'm in a work situation. I work in HR, so this is a place where you have to be very even-tempered, very considerate, very thoughtful. Let's say someone, irritates me because frankly they do sometimes <laughs> sometimes people do things that I'm like are you kidding me and let's say one of these situations happens I have to be disciplined in my actions that instead of just responding in a way that is lashing out at them I am instead saying what kind of person do I want to be I want to be someone who is patient and even-tempered and supportive and guiding. And so I'm gonna stop before I react. I'm gonna stop and I'm going to adjust those thoughts and I'm gonna say this is how I'm disciplining my actions in this scenario. The third discipline that Epictetus talks about is the discipline of assent. So assent is to agree or go along with. It is accepting reality. So this is all this is what the discipline of assent is all about, is saying, yes, this is how it is. Reality is what it is. This is a sofa. No matter how badly I might want this to be a bed at times, it is a sofa. Can I adapt to make it sort of feel like a bed? Sure, but it's, it's not a bed, it's a sofa. 
This is the sofa. It is the radical acceptance of what our reality is. So let's say you're in a lot of debt, for example. You can't just wish away the debt. Like that is not how that is gonna work out, right? And as much as you can sit there and be miserable about, oh my God, I have this crippling debt that I'm never gonna be able to get out of, and you can sit there and spiral about it, or you can just be in complete denial of the debt, right? Like it's not there if I just never open any of these credit card statements. No, the discipline of assent is accepting that. We accept, yes, this is reality, this exists here. And once you have accepted that, you can say, okay, what's my plan to get out of it? Because I can't just ignore it forever. So when we can master these three different disciplines, right? So we have discipline of desire. So we are controlling what it is that we desire. We are being disciplined with that. And like if it's the romantic partner thing, right? I am desiring feelings for myself. I want to feel safe. I want to feel loved. I want to feel at peace in a relationship. That's my desire. So we are mastering discipline of desire, discipline of action. So acting like the person we want to be, acting like the role we want to play in the world and discipline of assent. So we are accepting life as it is. It is what it is. Reality is reality. We cannot change reality, right? When we can master those things, or at least get a lot better at it, right? Because truthfully, I don't think anyone in the entire world will ever actually master those three things. But I think by turning attention to it throughout our lives, it makes for a much more peaceful and fulfilling life. The fundamental piece of Epictetus's teachings, and Stoicism in general, but I really think so on the Epictetus side, is that external circumstances cannot disturb our peace of mind. So all of these terrible things can go on around us, right? If we're Epictetus, a slave getting our leg broken, like I, you cannot imagine a more terrible life, right? Like that's about as bad as it gets. All of these external things can be going on. There can be terrible weather. We can be treated poorly by other people. All of these things, the delayed flight, whatever it is, all these external circumstances, they cannot disturb our peace of mind because we are focusing on the internal, what is within our control. And we can control our mindset. We can build the resilience within ourselves to be able to deal with those difficult things. And this is not to say that we're never allowed to get upset or that sometimes things aren't hard. That's not what this is saying. This is saying that we should do our best to realize that getting irate at the person at the desk when your flight is delayed, that that's not gonna do anything, you know? Another really valuable lesson here is indulging in self-pity won't solve our problems. The way I could have been convinced that it would solve our problems, that the self-pity would solve all my problems in like 2019, 2020, I don't, yeah, like 2019, 2020, the way I could have, I must have been convinced at that age that it would solve all my problems was terrible. Like I would feel so bad for myself and I did have bad things going on, right? Like there were people treating me very poorly. I was in some very not great circumstances at that time, but it was like I almost thought at that time period 
that if I just felt badly enough, the universe would also take pity on me. How do you think that went? How do you think that went for me? Because if you guessed not well, you would be correct. It went so poorly. So, so, so poorly. And it actually was really empowering for me when I realized, hey, I can change my mindset. I can't change how these people are treating me. I, you know, I did my best. I can't change that. I can't change these other things going on that I have no control over. But I can change my desires. I can change my actions. And I can choose to accept reality. We have those three pieces of those disciplines again, right? And when I did that, it felt so empowering for me to realize that I actually do have quite a bit of control over my mind and over my perceptions and how I choose to act. And when I'm acting in a way that is not trying to change these things I can't change, but acting in a way that is in alignment with who I want to be, that was the most empowering thing because I think sometimes stoicism can almost sound like really powerless. Like, oh, you can't change this, can't change that. Those things are just going to suck and that's that. I just rhymed. I didn't even mean to. <laughs> but I think sometimes stoicism can have like a not great vibe of that or like a, I don't know, a general perception of that. But that's not the case at all. That's not the point of stoicism at all. It's actually a very empowering philosophy of like, hey, you can have so much control of yourself that you have a completely different experience walking through the world. And since I have embraced stoicism, and this is a daily practice, right? Like I'm not perfect by any means. Anyone who actually knows me in person can, can attest to that. Um, but I do my best to embrace these practices. And since doing that, I feel way more in control of what's going on in my head, in my life, because I am controlling the way that my brain is perceiving things. And sometimes that's easier than other times or more difficult than other times, but just the practice of making an active effort to do so, I think is really, really rewarding and just super valuable. For me, a lot of it was always like the controlling other people. I, I don't know why that was always such a thing for me for so long. Like, I think because I'm a very relationship-oriented person, I really enjoy connection. I thrive on connection. That's a lot of why I have this podcast, right? I would get so upset about how other people acted or didn't act. And I would want to control those things so, so badly. But when I realized, like when I finally embraced for myself, you can't control if this person treats you poorly. You can't control if this person does or doesn't have feelings for you. You can't control if your boss wants to be a bad boss, right? You can give the feedback, you can have the conversations, you can do all of those things. You can be the best you in those situations. But at the end of the day, those are other people and they have free will just like you do. And when I realized that my free will could be, okay, maybe I remove myself from the situation. Maybe I remove myself from this person. Maybe I, tell myself, okay, what I truly desire is genuine connection with good people, kind people. And then I go find those people. I stop trying to make these people who aren't acting that way, I stop trying to make them something that they're not being because I can't do that. Only they can do that. 
and this is, I think, the true beauty in Stoicism, is not in just resigning to terrible things happening, but knowing that no matter what is happening, you don't have to have a terrible time. Terrible things can happen, but you don't mentally have to have a terrible time. What a concept. <laughs> another, another quick point that I definitely want to touch on that is an Epictetus quote that I absolutely love in relation to controlling other people is if you want to improve, be content to be thought foolish and stupid. This is a quote by Epictetus. If you want to improve, be content to be thought foolish or stupid. This is so applicable. If you are like me and you're maybe like in the content creator space or maybe you're in another creative profession or I feel like athletes could relate a ton to this. Any of my pageant girls watching this, anyone who does anything that involves the risk of failing publicly, you can definitely relate to this. I think in the beginning of trying these things, it can be so easy to be like, oh, well, Sally from my 10th grade math class is going to think that I look really dumb and I might not be that good at this when I start it. So I'm just maybe not going to do it. No, if you want to improve, if you want to get good at things for me and in, in this like podcasting space, influencer space, I have to just keep putting stuff out there, keep trying and building the skill set because I cannot control if other people think I am being stupid or not, I can't control those thoughts that other people may have or what they may perceive about me. And so I should stop trying. I should stop trying to control that or to let that make me upset. I am working to actively improve myself and everything that I do creatively and everything I do online and what I do on this podcast and on my social media and all of those things, I'm trying to improve those and there's going to be some trial and error and I shouldn't allow myself to be so negatively impacted because my ultimate goal is to get better at these things, to have an impact, to build a community. And how sad would it be if I let the idea that someone else thinks I'm dumb, <laughs> If I let that stop me from doing all of these things, like that would really suck. So that's kind of that for me. But I, I just really enjoy learning about some of these more ancient teachings that we can still apply to our modern lives. And even if we don't fully subscribe to every single thing that they say, I think there are so many different elements of so many different philosophers that we can take and say, hey, like this is useful for me. I find this useful. I can apply it. And if you do kind of resonate with this thought process, I definitely encourage you to look more into Stoicism, to read discourses. It's a lot more digestible than you probably think it is, I promise. Um, but either way, I just, I just find it interesting. And so I hope you found this useful in some capacity. And let me know if you enjoy this sort of style that's like a little more on the educational side, a little more on the nerdy side. I think it's really fun to look at these different things. And if you want to subscribe to my YouTube, I would love that so much. I love reviving the YouTube channel that I used to be so, so super passionate about back in the day. So anyways, I'm just so happy you're here. I'm happy we have this next step in the evolution of the pod. Um, and thank you so much for listening and for watching. If you watched on YouTube or Spotify, Paisley had to come make an appearance. Hi, baby girl. My dog just walked in front of me, um, if you're listening. But 
yeah, thank y'all so much. And this was super fun for me and I hope it was fun for you too. Hope you have a super wonderful rest of your week. I don't have all that much planned. I need to figure out some plans for sure. I think I'm gonna do a pottery painting night. That'll be a fun time. I'll tell you all about it. But anyways, have a great rest of your week and I will talk to you next Wednesday. Until next time, my radiant babes. <laughs>